Welcome back to another edition of the Tuttle Daily Podcast. This is an interview that I've been looking forward to. You know, I've had a lot of stuff that's been going on, and, and I think I will be able to help a lot of my audience as well as myself. On the line with me right now is, I hopefully I'm going to get this right, Sherry Anna Boyle. Did I get that right? I, I'll be more comfortable. You did get it right, Sherry Anna Boyle. Now, Sherrianna, how how are you today? I'm great. Happy to be where, here. Where where exactly are you located? I I like to you know paint a little bit of a picture and let people know you know sure. what area of the country. Sure, I'm in Massachusetts, uh, Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Oh, gotta be cold. Yeah, it's cold. <laughs> yeah, uh, were you born and raised in that area, or or are you a transplant? I'm a transplant. I am. Oh. But I, but I was born in Massachusetts, but I was. Not. Oh, OK. Yeah. Yeah. But but now let me ask you this, though. Like a lot of people think, oh, but just because you're up north, you have <laughs> that accent and stuff. Does Massachusetts not have a, I know they got the Boston accent and stuff. They do. I don't think so. I don't know. You don't, though. You do not have. I, any, I don't think like, I accent. do. I don't think I do. No, I think that's now, a Boston thing. Yeah, but but you know, like I've been up to New York a couple of times, and everybody says, "Why do you talk so slow?" Because I'm I am as southern as you can get. Um, I was born and raised uh, what you would call a Florida cracker, um, and and I don't hear it in my voice. But you know, when I went up there, people are like, "Oh yeah, man, you you have a very thick accent." You you do have a little bit, and my my daughter's boyfriend's southern, so oh I yeah. Yeah, so he's from Alabama, so I, I can hear a little bit for sure. Oh yeah, well at least it's not that bad. So, Sherryanna, <laughs> I want to have you on, but before we get into the conversation, tell a little bit about yourself and where people can check you out. Because I could easily tell people about you, but when I bring guests on, uh, who, who better to explain than the guests themselves? Sure. So I call myself an emotional detox coach mm -hmm. and how I came to that title was I wrote a book, I, I wrote a book called emotional detox. And mm -hmm. in that book, I created a system that I refer to as cleanse. It's an acronym, seven steps for an emotional detox. Oh, I love that, acronyms. I love yeah. acronyms. <laughs> so, so cleanse, right? For, it's emotional detox, but the, okay. the, the seven steps are in the acronym of cleanse. Okay. So when and I wrote, what's the C? I would love. What's, what's the C? Yeah. What's the C? Sure. Okay. So the C is called clear reactivity. That's the okay. first, the first step of the cleanse is okay. you have clearing reactivity. And the second step is L, which is called look inward, which is a, a way that I help people identify what they're feeling without re-traumatizing themselves because that's happening a ton. People are now, getting... now can, can, can I stop you for a second? Yeah. Because I, I, um, you talk about traumatizing, you know, traumatizing yourself and stuff. What, what do you mean by traumatizing? Because I've had a few people that have dealt with trauma in their life. Now, are you talking about looking inwards without traumatizing yourself or is that the same thing dealing with trauma and stuff that has happened in your life well it's it's similar but different in that okay. you can't really have a conversation without emo about emotions 
without mm-hmm. having a conversation about history because there's memory. We have emotional memory. And so what can happen is people can actually re-traumatize themselves by overanalyzing, explaining, labeling, talking about their what they're feeling mm-hmm. can bring up stuff. It can bring up the the memories, the the narratives, the situation. You can kind of relive it, especially during this time of COVID. People are getting yeah. a lot of stuff's coming up for people. That Is feeling- it as bad? Is it as bad though? A lot of people you read the stories and and people are talking about depression and everything that's going on emotionally wise, because, you know, a lot of people, I think we took it for granted in our lives about the social interaction that we have. And I'm not talking about social interaction online. I'm talking about physically being in the same room and, and, and getting those vibes off of people and stuff. Uh, that's different than interacting online. And I think people took that for granted. And now that it's kind of been taken away a little bit, now people are appreciated. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. The, the challenge is, is sometimes when you isolate yourself for a long period of time is the anxiety gets worse. Now it's a really big deal to be around people. So if mm-hmm. somebody, if somebody was suffering for anxiety with anxiety before COVID, they could be really, it's likely that they're really feeling it now. And sure. But could it also could it also be a case now? And, and this is just a thought that I have because I I read an interesting article and and we'll get back to the rest of the acronym. But this I uh, I'm kind of all over the place because you'll say something and it'll make me think of a question. But um, people that have dealt with it though, people that have dealt with loneliness, people that have dealt with depression, um, because I read an interesting article and and they went through all the generations, you know, like baby boomers. Gen Xers. Now, you, I was taught you never ask a lady her age, and I'm not asking your age, but what generation are you labeled at? Well, I will tell you, I'll, I'll tell you my age. I'm, I'm okay. Just, well, yeah. I, I didn't want to be rude. I didn't want to be rude. I <laughs> just was know. always taught. Yeah, I, I just turned 50 during COVID. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. so I'm, I, I'm of the, Would you be a Gen Xer or, or a baby? No, I think probably you're right on that baby. edge. I'm on the edge. I'm definitely on the edge. But I read yeah. the article and they were talking about Gen Xers being able yeah. to be the generation that was the most suited to deal with this pandemic and isolation right now because we were the forgotten generation. We were the latchkey kids that had to come home. We didn't have any parents at home because both of them were, were working or they were divorced and and we had to take care of ourselves. And we spent a lot of time having to entertain ourselves. Uh, the reason I bring that up is that people that have dealt with it before the pandemic, I could see where it would get worse. But the people that have never dealt with that, I, I feel like they would have a harder time dealing and, and adjusting to this new feeling. Sure. But the, the thing that perks up in my mind is, and, and maybe it's just semantics, but this is, this is how an emotional detox works. Yes. I'm sorry. We're, I'm getting way off. Yeah. That's okay. We're not actually clearing emotions. Mm-hmm. We're clearing reactions. Mm-hmm. And I find it really doesn't matter what generation you're from. And mm-hmm. it, we have learned to react to 
rather than process our emotions. So emotional detox is about learning to process your emotions. And that doesn't mean how most of us were learned. And I worked in the schools for a long time. So I know what people are being taught. I still am a professor, a psychology professor. I still am teaching from a text that is completely outdated emotionally. Mm -hmm. And I'm using a current text. And it's, it just amazes me how we still, we still have a lot of room to grow as far as, okay, yes, here are the emotions we do, but the dealing with, that's what stuck out to me. We don't deal with our emotions. That's not, so dealing with is not processing. Now, is it, would, would that fall under talking about your emotions though? I think it's maybe coping. I think what coping. I hear you saying is coping. So, yeah. so the, perhaps if somebody was a latchkey kid, they have to cope in a yeah. different way than maybe yeah. somebody who didn't. And, and so the coping thing is what I'm strongly suggesting that yeah. we take this as an opportunity now to release some of the ways that we've been really kind of teaching people to cope. Coping was never meant to be long-term. Mm. It's, that's a short-term solution, but at some point, that latchkey kid is going to have to feel what it is like to be home alone. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean evaluate or compare or judge, because that's what we've been trained to do. Oh, well, look at so-and-so doesn't have to go home to empty house. So I guess I'm in a worse situation. You know, that's where so we So comparing get. yourself to other people's situations instead of taking your situation as a case by case thing, like you shouldn't compare to what other people are going through, right? Correct. Well, that's a form of coping. That's how Mm. we cope and manage is we compare and contrast to each other or we avoid or we bury. And one of the huge ways that we bury emotions is through distractibility. We binge, binge watch Netflix and look at our social media for a couple hours and hide, you know, lie in bed or, or work. What about self, what about self-medication though? People, of course. Pe- people that turn to drugs and alcohol. Absolutely. That's, that's huge, huge. And it's not just drugs and alcohol. It can be uh, addicted to all sorts of things, sex addictions. Again, yeah. I'll say social media is extremely addictive for people and, and destructive. So I, I, I see it crossing generations, to be honest. It's just showing up in different forms, but it's coping. And so within emotional detox, what we're doing is we're actually purging and releasing all of that coping stuff because it's getting in the way of people really learning and understanding the value of their emotions and what, how they can help you. Now, are there any warning signs? I know you just explained it, but you know, things the stuff that you do or, or, or actions that are kind of like warning signs that, yeah, you're not really dealing with it. You're just coping with it. Right. Well, there's, there's all sorts of things and I don't know if I'd call it a warning, but I think I would call it a numbing, a numbing, a numbing. And, and what happens is life gets a little, a little dull, (laughs) meaning vibrationally, we feel, we, we don't feel joy as often. We don't feel connected and we might feel a little lost or, and this is where sadness, 
or loneliness or not feeling good enough or worthy or feeling disappointed can come can come in but we're not really feeling them we might be sitting in these emotions and not really letting ourselves process them and and when they're processed they get converted into it's kind of like recycling that's the best way mm -hmm. i can explain it it's like okay. taking a piece of trash which you mm -hmm. could call you could call an emotion like guilt you could say oh i don't want that right yeah P piece of stinky old trash i don't yeah, want let's that, throw that right <laughs> But, right. Or a piece of plastic, right? You're like, oh, it's gross. But you can take that same piece of plastic and you can convert it into something new and something useful. And, and in some cases, some, something beautiful. It's the same thing with your emotions. The guilt in my world of emotional detox is a reaction. It's not an emotion. I think they're all reactions, to be honest. I think we've been trained that way. I only believe there's one emotion and that's love. I yeah. think everything else is a reaction now now okay so and and i i hope i'm not offending you here but uh, now are are you okay i i understand and and there's a lot of science to what you're saying but would you consider because when people talk about love everybody talks <laughs> oh she must be a hippie or something you know um i mean would would you like i mean like here i met this girl the other day um and i was hanging out with her and she's all in about chakras and stuff like that and you know what i always i'm not one of those guys that is a denier and stuff like i'll try something new if it makes me feel better that that's natural i'll try it and, it, and she did this thing with these tuning forks and it was like all over certain parts back and forth around my head and i was like you know what? It was it was a distraction. I don't think it's coping, but it, it just it made me feel better. It made me feel connected with somebody else besides myself. I don't know. Does that make sense, or do I just sure. sound like some raving lunatic right now? <laughs> no, that I well, that's what she was doing. Was she was bringing vibration in, and you so see, because you brought up vibration, that's the only yeah. reason I thought about that. Sure. Yeah. And, and then, and then you were, and then your love and stuff like that, which yes. I agree with you. Love is one of the most important things in, in as a human being. Yeah. I mean, that's all what we love our parents. We love our friends, our family, our loved ones. So it does separate us from, from other people. Absolutely. And, and I'm not saying you're going to go love everybody and everybody. I'm not, I'm, and I'm going to be this, you know, this, hippie kind of person floating around. But what it does is, is that when it, when she reached those love vibrational states, which you probably hit them when you were around the tuning forks, you yep. were feeling what love feels like that if you want to label it love, I'm not a big fan of no, labeling emotions, but I guess just to be able to communicate, say we put it on the label of love on that. Now, oh, I, I loved it. I loved yeah. it. I'm not I'm not yeah. going to beat around the bush. I loved it. It was yeah. great. I loved it. Yeah. It made me connected with that person and, yeah. and it was it was great. So, yes, I mean, sure. I don't think you're overusing that. Yeah. So now if you if you were to have a reaction to that, it yeah. would come in. Typically, it comes in through thinking because we have this thing called the brain. Right. Mm -hmm. So we have these thoughts. But the, the, here's the thing. Your brain is terrific for problem solving, getting from A to B, looking at a yeah. map deciding, am I going to have vanilla or chocolate ice cream, making decisions, 
wonderful for brain, but guess what brain is not so good at? What's that? Emotional processing. Now you, you, okay. You bring up overanalyzing things and, and I agree with you because I am so guilty of doing that. <laughs> But does overanalyzing is the root of overanalyzing thing doubt? Like, is doubt the reason why we overanalyze things? Or are those two different things? Or are they the same thing? So you say that you're an overanalyzer. Is that correct? Yeah. So, so like, for example, yeah, I do this podcast. I'll, I'll, I'll go through. Now, what I hear is, oh, I could have done this. I could have done that to make it better. But. A lot of people are downloading and 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 engaging with the content that I'm doing right now. But when I see that, I'm like, oh, I, I had a couple thousand downloads today. But then the next day, I'll maybe I'll have like three or four hundred less downloads. And I'll be like, ooh, what did I do wrong? Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot there's a lot of material there for me to work. I'm sorry, with. But, but I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I am a very. I, listen. <laughs> And, and I'll give here, you know, what's not fair. I should give you a little bit of background about myself. So you'll understand who I am and what makes me tick. Okay. Um, I'm an only child. Um, my mom stayed home with me. So I'm, I'm a little bit of a mama's boy. Um, I am a, a victim of some childhood trauma. I'm still not comfortable talking about it yet. Um, I was on psychotropic drugs for, for mood. Um, I, you know, because I am a depressive bipolar person, you know, so I was on a lot of medication and I got on a bad mixture because I, I believe that doctors over prescribe things right now. And, and it wasn't a good mix. And I tried to harm myself and was in a, in an institution for about uh, 10 days. But after that, I made changes and a year later. I am the happiest, healthiest person that I have ever been. That's fantastic. And I'm sorry. I know, like, I didn't yeah. mean to give you too much stuff there. No, but don't I just, apologize. I just, I just wanted to share yeah. with you yeah. of why I overanalyze things. Why, you sure. know, like, I, I don't know. It's just, that's how I've always been. And I don't want this to turn into a therapy session yeah. or anything. I just wanted to tell you why I do what I do, why I overanalyze things. Yeah. So what, you know, I, I love examples. I love it when people are willing yeah. to be raw. And I am share an open about, book. I, will, I love I, it. I, <laughs> I did the day that I tried to hurt myself. I talked about it on the radio an hour later after I failed. Mm -hmm. um, I talked about it for two reasons. I talked about it because I wanted to hold myself accountable because I was scared to death that I might try to do it again. Mm -hmm. And then two was that I thought about how I felt at that time. And, and, and then I thought about all the people that listened. And I was like, if I could help out one person, one person, maybe sure. going through what I did. And that's mm -hmm. why I talked about it. But it ended up getting me Baker acted because I talked about it. Mm -hmm. But I felt good that I did talk about it. So. When it comes to emotional detox, it's a really fascinating, I always feel like I take someone through a little bit of a journey. Could it help yeah. me or am I too far gone? <laughs> of course it can help. I, emotions are incredible and it's just learning how to process them. 
it's not a treatment. I'm not doing a treatment on someone. I'm teaching them something that they already have, how to use it more effectively. So you're like a uh, Jedi master and I'm your like Padawan <laughs> and you're trying to you, give me the tools to be able to yeah. handle my, myself without needing you. You're, you know, yeah. you, this is, you're wanting to give me the skills to be able to cope with things. Well, I'm not teaching you to cope. I'll just reiterate not cope, that. But yeah, so yeah. To be able to handle process. Sorry. So I'll tell you what I hear when I, and I'm also pretty intuitive so I can, I've been doing this long enough now and, and I've written three more emotional detox books. So I'm really taking one topic and diving very deep into it because it's that rich, the, this whole thing. But when I'm speaking to you, I'm, I'm hearing you say that you overanalyze things. So that would be the thing that we would quote unquote cleanse, use the system. Okay. And hey, can, can I give you one more example? Because I just thought of this. Okay. So sure. Like I said, I'm an only child. Yeah. Um, and I always wanted to make my parents proud. I saw what my my mom and dad had. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when I look at that, I wanted to be able to start a family like that. I want to be able to work. I want to be able to support the family because I was married and and that didn't work out. We never had kids. But I overanalyze things because I overanalyze it. Like I'm 40 right now, and I'm never gonna have a family. And that's, that's what I mean by overanalyzing things. Okay. So I hear it again. I was just, let me, let me let you know what I, what I saw because I just heard it again. So now, so now I've got it twice. So, so when you overanalyze what I'm, what I'm hearing that you're suppressing is, mm -hmm. is a feeling of failure. Yes, of course. Right. Yes, And, of course. and it's kind of interesting because this, this is the, the way, and you just said it, I always wanted to make my parents proud. And you see how it ends up being a pattern. Yep. And, and so we, we try really hard. We try really hard to do a good podcast and, and you might take things really hard as well as a result mm -hmm. of, and all of it is because of suppressing this, mm -hmm. trying not to, to, to experience this fear of failure. That's it. I mean, it's just an yeah. experience of a feeling of, you know, if, if I were to disappoint my parents, how that would make you feel. But, and that, that's but, a scary feeling for people. But and, I will say that I've never been a person, even though that's my concern, is I'm not a person that is afraid of failure. Does, does that make sense? Because yes. I will always put myself out there no matter what. Like, I will always try something. Like, I was that quiet kid in high school. I, I never stood out. And I decided to get an internship in, in radio in 1999. And I was horrible. Nobody ever thought I would be doing what I'm doing, uh, even though I'm doing a podcast right now. But I've been working in radio for the past 22 years. Nobody ever thought I would do that. So I, I was scared of failure, but I still tried it and it worked out for me. So that doesn't make much sense. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? Sure. Well, but the, but the trying out, I, I don't, personally, I, when I feel it, when I hear, and I can't see you, but I can hear you and I can feel vibration. I hear what you're saying that you weren't afraid to take risks, but that, that could just be some of, who you are too. Yes, some yes. of your some of your temperament and your personality that this is the makeup 
of who you are. So there's a little bit. I'm very reckless at sometimes. Yeah. You know? Right. And so, so that, that aspect, you know, if you weren't to try, I think it would be more difficult for you. Because I would have regret. No, because I think you would have a lot of pent up energy. And I think that would just drive you nuts. See, damn it. This turned into a, 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 a therapy <laughs> session. And now, like, I wanted to talk about it. You know, like, I, I see because people know me and I, I and, and I'm trying to put myself out there because I think I'm, you know, you're able to to take your tools and, and give me advice. I, I think this is great, but I also didn't want it to turn into a therapy session either. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's weird. It really is weird. And, and I use the word weird is because uh, I've been described as weird, but I told people normal is boring. And, and I kind of wear it as a badge of honor. And that's why I've always set myself out there because I, I really don't care how I look. So back to what I'm saying. So how can you, like somebody as messed up as I am, like, how can your program help? Well, we're, we would identify exactly how the, these things that we're identifying right now, I mean, that's the beginning is, is really becoming aware. And again, I would say if, if you didn't put yourself out there, if you didn't talk about it, if you didn't have a, a vehicle for expression, if you didn't try things, I think that would really, that, that would, is where you could really dig up some suppression right there, some emotional suppression. And then what I would do is I would help you to kind of move, move those emotions. Those yeah. are the ones I would aim for. We would move through them through the cleanse. So the, the E would be introducing vibration, the E in the formula, which is like what your friend did. She introduced vibration. And we yeah. already know that that supported you. So mm -hmm. that, that is actually in the formula where I introduced vibration, not in that way, but in a mm -hmm. different way. And yeah. then after you get that vibration, then the, then the A is activate, which is now we're going to start to co-create together. Now, this is where the formula actually- Wait, did you? Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Yeah, you didn't say yeah. procreate, did you? Because I heard procreate. Co oh, co okay. I was about to say, I was like, procreate. I was like, hell yeah. So I mean, no, I'm just saying, no, but it was a bad yeah. joke. I apologize. So- uh, no, but go ahead, go ahead. I, I'm sorry. My morning zoo hackish joke just threw you off. So <laughs> I apologize. Perfect. So let's yeah. get back to that. Yeah. So that's the journey we would take the A and then the N. Now it is interesting. So, so we're at the E, the vibration, the A. Now we're, we're using some other techniques that are going to help you to start to visualize what it is that you are creating. And, and we would sort that out. Once we started processing the motions, I would have that information. We would have that information. The N is called nourish. And that is about really learning how to be with these vibrations and learning how to apply them to daily life, like communication, like learning how to get through challenging times. And then the S is surrender. And I want to yeah. point something out. The surrender is a, a statement that I give people to say a few statements. And then E is ease. And that is where you end up in the I am space, which means I've, I am this. I've always been this. Mm -hmm. I just somehow lost my way. But what I want to point out is initially you said, you said, deal with, you're using that word 
dealt with what I've dealt yeah can can with, I can right? I explain why I say dealt with yeah like yeah okay so um I don't know if this is a southern thing or just a father son thing but we all grow up and and it also could be a generational okay so the generation before us they grew up and it was like they didn't understand emotion you know like Hey, I'm not feeling good today. If a son came to his father and said, I'm, I, you know, I'm feeling kind of down, dad. You know what a Southern father would say? Suck it up, son. Just mm. deal with it. That's what, because I think it's getting better generation to, to generation. Yes. But I also think the previous generation doesn't understand <clears throat> what their their younger generation is going through because I've dealt with that. Like there's been some mornings when I woke up where I wasn't feeling good. Not feeling good. I'm I'm depressed, dad, or I'm just down. Look it up, son. Just deal with it. Yeah. So you heard that word a lot. Yeah. And and now I hear you saying it. But the the opposite, mm. you know what the opposite of deal with is? What? It's it's to surrender, to release to hand over, to relinquish. Yeah. Right. And, and so, so as you start to process your emotions, what, what you do is you increase your ability to release, to surrender, because that's really what's looking to be evolved in you now. And, mm. and that's, there's always something, whenever we have something that's looking to be released, the way the formula works is it recognizes that release is because there's something that's looking to be matured and spiritually developed in you. Now you're, so, you're talking about you're, you're, or go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I just want people to know that it's not about releasing because you're a mess. So the old way is that we try to improve ourselves, try to get rid of negativity, anxiety, depression, get rid of it. So I can be better, feel better, have a better life. With the emotional detox, that's not what it's about. It's about we're releasing the reactions so that the emotions can be fully processed because there's something looking to be matured and spiritually developed okay. in you. So, so, and I know I could be completely off by what I'm about to say, but the gist, of everything. This is what I've gotten from it is that this cleanse, this, you know, working on yourself is, is looking inward, looking at yourself, knowing and, and, and getting in tune and, and recognizing things, or maybe I'm way off by saying. It is about getting in. It is about ideally, once you learn it, it's about a practice. It's about a practice. So that mm -hmm. maybe you can wake up in the morning, maybe get your cup of coffee, whatever you do, sit down and you recognize that every single day, every day, something is coming up to be processed, whether you recognize it or not. It's just, we have this subconscious mind that kind of keeps things out of our awareness. And that's a good thing because that way we can focus on what, what we have to do today. Like, oh, I have to get ready to do the podcast. Mm -hmm. So I have the subconscious that will take some things out of my mind, out of my awareness, so I can function. So it's not a hey, bad thing. So, so this, 
this is something I'm curious about. Okay. I was reading yeah. your bio. You're, you're a mother, correct? Correct. Okay. So, you know, the older generation, you know, they, they have what they have now. Is there anything that you can give advice to parents where they can instill this, this motto, this way of not way of living. And that sounds wrong when I say it, but, um, you know, kids at a younger age, they're like sponges. You know, that's why younger kids can learn like multiple languages when they're younger. Is this something you would advise to to work with your kids on and 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 be able to help them recognize things like this? Or or would you not suggest that? Well, when when people come to me because their kids are anxious, I always say it would be really great to have one parent on board because I think that it's really difficult to teach a child something and then have a parent function in old old systems. Yeah. Right. So I, I, I that might be a weird question, but I, yeah. I, I, I just because when I look at myself when I was younger, now I will admit my father as with everything that's happened to me and, and the stuff that I've dealt with, I will admit he's become way more understanding about it. So so what I'm trying to say is, would I have been way better off if my parents would have been understanding like they are now? Would I be a better person? I know that sounds weird back to me overanalyzing things or, or, or doubting things, but, but like I've always wondered, like as a kid, if you are taught these tools, will you be better off in the future? I think that if they were to learn the skills themselves and then parents use it on themselves, I think it helps you understand your children a little bit better. And what I think it really does is it keeps parents from taking things so personally and mm. taking it so hard, like somehow they have to fix it or, or make it better or go get help. Because very often it's really just understanding how your child works. I think some of your analy- overanalyzing makes you, is a way that you help yourself stay in control. And I'm not saying you're going to- It gonna keeps go, me on my toes though. It keeps it, it you- always- it right. always keeps my head on a swivel, but I also think that's why I'm so high strung. There's a, there's a partially, it keeps, it keeps your, it's like you always have your hand on the right hand on the wheel kind of thing. Right. Yep. And, yeah. And, and I think it's also the cause of some of the panic attacks that I've had because yeah. I yeah. overanalyze things. Well, and the question would be if you didn't analyze that's where you would explore with some with myself. If you didn't overanalyze, if you were to let that little that coping mechanism go, and that's that. But is it who that? It, but is it what makes me who I am? Though, do does that make sense? Like we all have those little quirks and ticks that make us who we are. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it is, I, I felt right away that this is, this is part of, of who you are. And if, and we'd have to see, I always say to people, I don't really have all the answers until we go into emotional processing, because I find that higher wisdom and higher insight really comes from that. Mm-hmm. And, and you really, it, it's more a feeling we're going for. We're not going for 
a, a light bulb moment. We're going for an experience. So you end up landing in a place that maybe you're not as familiar with as, but, as when you're analyzing and kind of juggling and keeping one hand on the wheel, so to speak. It's, a, it's an experience. Feeling is an experience. Mm-hmm. Now, oh, man, I could stay here and talk to you for a while. I find this fascinating. I really do because I think people are, I, I think the outlook and the, the, the opinion that the American people have are, is starting to change. Because I think for the longest mm-hmm. time in our country, we have not taken mental illness and people that are depressed or are dealing with their emotions seriously. A- am I off by saying that? No, not at all. I, I definitely think people like yourself are, are making a huge difference. I think it's regular folks like you and me who are really making some waves and saying, look, we don't really want to do it that way anymore. We want to talk about it. We want to we want to bring, you know, connect with other people. We want to share our stories. I think storytelling is becoming something huge. But, you know, with you, I, honestly, I, you, you have so much to, yeah, you're just getting started. That's the way I feel. I think for, with you, emotional processing would just really highlight even more of who you are. I don't think hey, it's about, about being yeah. who, no, no, I get it. I get it yeah. completely. I, now, let me ask you, I, I know a lot of people right now are dealing with a lot of stuff during this pandemic. Is it wrong and is it insensitive for me to say that this pandemic might have been the best thing it could have ever happened to me? It allowed me to slow things down, work on myself physically and mentally, and be able to just get some of the stress out, you know, because I, 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 I'm not on the radio. I started this podcast. Uh, I've been taking care of my parents or my parents are in their seventies. They both have underlying health conditions and, and I'm, I'm their main uh, caregiver right now. Um, and, but it's allowed me to get back to my roots. Like I said, my mom and dad are more understanding about things than they were before when I was younger. And, and it's been great. It really has. I don't want people to think, oh, I'm, I'm trying to regress into my childhood because <laughs> I'm helping my parents out and stuff. That's, that's not the case. You know, so, so what I'm trying to say is this, this has actually been great because, you know, like after I tried to, to hurt myself, I, um, I, a couple months later, all this stuff broke out. So it was the per- it was kind of perfect timing and i always feel insensitive when i say that now i think a lot of people are feeling the way you're feeling that they've really learned to appreciate and they've learned how to slow down i, I think it's a mixed bag though i think some people truly are really especially financially if people are feeling it financially i think they're the ones that are mm-hmm. really struggling or Or again, if they didn't really have a handle on their anxiety or whatever was going on before, they didn't have any tools, if they hadn't made it, if it's made it worse. But then there's people like yourself who are thriving. And there's a lot of them. There's a lot of people thriving in this situation. And I do, I always feel like something higher is at work for all of us. 
Are you a religious person? I am. Yeah. Now, 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 listen, I, I, I support everybody believing and I do believe in a higher power. I do. I don't know what it is. Um, you know, I go back to, I'm not even, this, this could be bad. So I'm not going to talk about it. But, but what I'm saying is, I, does, is religion something that people can look forward to? Because I, I believe in a higher power, but I just don't support organized religion. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's, I'm spiritual. I, I think that places of worship are important. I don't know. I think they too are going to be looking this, this whole coronavirus. Don't you feel yeah. like it's just changing everything? I mean, it's it changing is. the way we look at everything. And I, I don't think there is one, any one religion. I'm, I'm someone that's open and willing to bounce around. If somebody invited me to their church, as long as it was loving mm. <laughs> in nature and, uh, I would be like, sure, I'll check out your church. You know, I'm not glued to one specific. I do feel that, um, that churches are, some churches are collapsing. I've worked with some people who are leaving the church because mm. they, it's revealed corruption and this. Yes. See, thank you. You yeah. brought up the key word. See, yeah. I like, I like the foundation of religion, yeah. you know, treat, treat others, how you would like to be treated, uh, you know, and, and all that good stuff. Because if you go by the words, yeah, it's great. But, you know, uh, you know, I talked about childhood trauma. I'm, I'm very, very involved in making changes with that. And, and what completely turned me off is the Catholic Church. And I swear to God, I hope you're not Catholic. <laughs> you're funny. Well, I am Catholic. I was, however, I go to an Episcopal church. Okay. Well, I don't, I don't go to the Catholic with that well, said, well, I also will go to a Baptist church because mm. I love music. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not glued and I'm really open. I mean, I'm writing a book that's now that's really encompassing everything as far but, as. Yeah, but, 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 but let me ask you though, when, when we're talking about religion and, and the Catholic church and stuff, um, we're talking about emotions and, and what, what do you say to somebody that might be gay or bi or lesbian that believes in the Catholic church and stuff, but they're not accepted. You know, I know the new Pope and stuff is trying to change things, but mm. like what, how, what do you tell somebody like that? You know, like how, how could you help somebody like that? Yeah. I mean, well, it's, first of all, it's not my job to tell anybody what to do, where to go, but that's why I'm at the Episcopal church because it's mm -hmm. pretty much this, I have children. So I wanted them to have, I really did it for, for them. I wanted them to have a place to go in case anything actually ever happened. And I me. apologize. Right. I, I but, feel bad to get don't into this deep conversation bad. and stuff. Yeah. Don't feel bad. However, I would, I, I would just, there's options. I mean, there are churches yeah. that absolutely accept that. And I go to one of them. I have a, a female, for me, it was, I just, I also wanted to hear from a female, my girl, mm. I have daughters and we have a reverend that's a female and we are in a church where there's gay people is, right on the altar. And it's, that wonderful. is amazing. Yeah. I think that is so cool. You, you yeah. want to know what, you want to know one of the coolest stories that I, that I recently saw, um, did you hear about 
uh, I don't know how much you follow football, but uh, here in the South, Vanderbilt, they actually had a woman kicker last mm-hmm. week kick. And, and it was so cool because I look at stuff like that. I, I, I really, really do. Um, and, and I think a lot of men, you know, back to processing emotions. Um, and, and I'm also, oh man, I, like I said, I could talk through a while. I'm, I'm a person that I think I'm too empathetic. Um, because like, I look at stories like that. And I'm like, I can put myself and, and what it would be like if I wasn't a, a little boy grown up and I was a, a, a girl, what it would mean for me to see a, a, a girl kicker and, and, and a men's sport like that. And I think a lot of my problems does, does come back to because it, working in broadcasting, you got to be cutthroat. And I think that's why I'm not as far as I am right now is because I show too much empathy. And I think that's one of my weaknesses. It, well, it's probably your gift, really, and the, your ability. And it, it could also, you know, the thing about empathy and one of my daughters, well, they're all empathetic girls, but one of them is extremely intuitive, highly intuitive, and she feels everything. And, and that's the thing when you, when you feel everything deeply and could it, could it be, and, and could you, it be a negative though? Could it be a negative though? You don't, I, you, you, you're not willing to go the extra mile to to do uh have that killer instinct uh, per se i think it can be a negative if you're not doing self-care for sure like Mm -hmm. you've probably discovered like you said during this pandemic really i think it's non-negotiable for you not to not have stress relief activities it's Mm -hmm. just not it's just not an option if you're highly empathic and you and you feel things and you feel it very quickly. I noticed just in the us talking, like yep. you're you're a quick responder <laughs> and because you feel it so quickly. And I think you probably feel it a little bit more intensely than somebody else might. Hey, you're more than welcome, by the way, if you want to use me for a case study in your book and stuff, <laughs> because I'm like all over the place, by the way. Oh, so. I mean, I'm, I'm more than down if you want to like use me as a guinea pig as, you know, sure. like as yeah. again, not <laughs> once Let's... again, bad joke. <laughs> yeah. I, so I think as long again, if you're, if you're high, highly empathic and you're just not cut out for certain things, like you said, I'm just, I just can't think like the Catholic church wants me to think. I think a lot of people, I felt like that growing up too. I felt very resentful and um, I used to say to my mom, I think they're brainwashing me. <laughs> That's what I used to yeah. tell her. I, when I went to school, cause I went to a Catholic high school and I said, I feel like they're trying to brainwash me. And I just, it really made me sort of more resistant, but, but my heart loves all of the, the idea that, that there is something greater. I mean, I'm yeah. very open to that. And I do think it helps a lot of people through addiction. There's no doubt in my mind that um, I mean, what I've seen and people I've spoken to, their faith has gotten them through some very tough times. So I don't want to see religion go away, but does yeah. it does it need to be updated? Absolutely. No, I listen, I don't care what you like. I am never going to judge like if that's what you believe, that's what you believe. I've always worried. I've always was taught. Let people do what they want to do. And, 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 but 
back to one last thing, and, and I know that I've kept you on way too long. Now, even though that I am empathetic, or I have empathy, um, there have been things, because I love what I do. I love radio. I love entertaining. I love getting to know people, because I, I've talked about this, okay? I, I've been doing this podcast, and people are like, oh, why are you not having more famous people? And I'm like, because, because famous people are boring. <laughs> they are because guess what? They control the narrative. Yeah, they, they only do. show it's you. True. They only show you what they want to show you. And I think, and, and I'm not trying to like blow my own horn or anything, but I think that's why I've been able to build an audience online when it comes to this, uh, this content stuff uh, is because I'm an open book. I spill my guts on a daily basis. <laughs> and and sometimes it's to my detriment, but that's why I love radio. I love radio so much, even though I'm empathetic, I've done some bad things that I felt even worse about because I'm an empathetic person. It's like a double whammy. Yeah, I love, I love what you I know I'm a mess. I know I'm a mess. <laughs> You're funny. I love what, what you just said, because I have I'm on the radio as well. I have emotional. Oh, you are. Where where are you at? I'm I'm off a healthylife.net platform. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So I have emotional detox show there. And and I've I've definitely interviewed some people that are up there. And I don't I guess you could call them famous in the book world and as far as New York Times bestsellers. Oh, in your world and the people with your audience, they are famous. Right. And 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 I do have had some experiences, like you said, that are very interesting when you're on and off the air and you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. I don't know. I, that just, that, that's not who I just got done that, talking to before. <laughs> and, and so you really, I love the way you just put that, that they control the narrative, not all of them, of course, but, but I have had a few experiences, which has been a really good thing because it really takes, makes you take other people off a pedestal <laughs> now let me can can i ask it because see now i i've noticed like when it comes to talking like i i i'm a good speaker i've learned to become a good speaker but um you're a writer you've written books what what is harder for you it, it seems like the written word is a little bit more your natural ability did you have a difficult time like doing what you're doing because I got to tell you, like, you are very clear, concise during this interview. And, and, and it's great because I've talked to writers. I've talked to people that have written books and they're not as, as, as comfortable as you are on the air. Oh, thank you. Well, I, I, I'm sorry. I mean, uh, so are you asking what, me which I, what is I, more difficult? <laughs> yeah. What is more difficult? Did you, I mean, did you have a hard time? transitioning from the written word to to the spoken word like what you're doing when you're hosting your own show and interviewing people well there's always a learning curve however i i was horrible by the way when i first started on radio so there's always a learning curve and you usually learn when you hear yourself back and you're and you think oh my gosh really and you oh hey i just (laughs) heard the accent the accent just came out it did when you said gosh you went gosh oh, i was like am i listening to the movie fargo right now and i know that's more to the west but what i'm trying to say is i'm 
you know, I heard the accent. And I'm okay. getting the wrap-up signal from my producer right now. So um, I, I, I could talk to you again, and I, I hope you enjoyed this interview. I, like I, I hope you're not annoyed that I kept you on for so long. Not at all. And I'd love to, I, I have a new book coming out next fall, which has 135 emotional detoxes in it for self-guiding. That mm-hmm. would be really fun to go through with you. Yes, I would love it. <laughs> I will love it. I, I, I'm, I'm going to tell my producer, Vulture, um, I'm going to tell him that he needs to keep your contact. And mm-hmm. I want to book you for the future because I gotta tell you, I like I said, I, and I I don't want you to think because I have said it to other interviews that I've had, but I really, really, really mean it with you on this one. I can stay here and talk to you until like midnight tonight, but I'm not gonna do that because you're a mother, and I'm and your husband is probably like, oh, why are you on with that nerd uh, from the south? Um, so so what I'm trying to say is, I apologize for keeping you on too long. On the line with me right now is Sherriana Boyle. By the way, I love that last name. One of my favorite directors of all time. Uh, tell people how they can check out all of your stuff, your website, uh, how they can find your books, find out your radio show, just everything. Sure. The, the simplest way would be go, to go to SherriannaBoyle.com. That's where my books are. You can, can you spell my- that out? Because a lot sure. of people in the South listen. So if sure. you could spell that out, that would be great. Yeah, so Sherrianna is S-H-E-R-I-A-N-N-A and then Boyle, B-O-Y-L-E dot com, SherriannaBoyle.com. My emotional detox is everywhere. It's in mm-hmm. Barnes and Noble. It's on Amazon. It's, it's, it's been really, it's been doing really great out there. So you might even find it physically on the floor in Barnes and Noble. Now. And one last thing, and you, you can make this quick, but you, you bring up physical and I, and this is how my brain works. Um, how important is the correlation or the symbiotic relationship between emotional and physical health? Like, uh, does emotional health help you feel physically better? And does physical, physical health help you feel better emotionally? Oh, they're, they're absolutely intertwined. I mean, emotions no doubt impact our, our physiology, our biology, our cells. They're actually, they're, they're from a biochemical level, they're called neuropeptides. And the best way I can describe that to people and, and that you'll understand is they're like neurotransmitters. Oh, yes. All right. Listen, I got to go, Shariana. Um, I, I hope you enjoyed this. Check out her website, people. I hope you enjoyed this interview.